Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. Today, we have Nate Tice talking about the Sam Darnold trade and previewing the top 10 receivers in this year's draft class and where they are going to fit best at the NFL level. So team fits for guys like Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. But first, wanted to talk about another ESPN podcast where they're going to be previewing the draft. It's, of course, First Draft, hosted by Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, and Field Yates. As you probably already know, the NFL draft is right around the corner, and there's no better place to get your draft analysis, updates, and deep dive information than with First Draft. We're going to be talking about receivers today. They're talking about everything draft-related, and you know guys like Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper are putting in the work. And of course, Phil Gates as well. I don't want to shortchange our friend Field. Download and follow First Draft wherever you get your podcasts. And also, baseball is back, and so are your favorite teams and players. Catch the best of the bigs all season on ESPN Plus with over 170 live MLB games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com slash baseball. Now, without further ado, let's talk to Nate Tice. All right, joining me now, as promised here on the Bill Barnwell Show, as his Twitter profile says, a life journeyman, a man who writes reports for the Bitcher Report about this year's upcoming skill position players, which is something we're going to ask him about today, but also someone who podcasts with someone I will not name on the Athletic Football Show every week. It is a friend of mine, an excellent follow on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. Mr. Nate Tice. Nate. How are you? I'm doing great. It's it's gonna be fun talking to you about actually what we get paid for American <laughs> football, as opposed to wrestling or soccer or Daryl DK or just anything other than <laughs> football. So this is gonna be nice. This is gonna be a nice change of pace. I like that you clarified that uh, Daryl DK, the star forward now for Barnsley, formerly of Orlando, and a up and coming U.S. men's national team prospect, is not soccer. He plays a sport that is something entirely different from soccer because he's at such an elevated, rare level already this early in his career. Oh my God. I just love it. Even when we're messaging about this show, you're just like, okay, we'll keep the DK discussion to a minimum. I just could. <laughs> I, at first sentence, it was like, no, I got to bring it. It was his own category too. It wasn't just soccer and that's it. It's <laughs> soccer and Daryl DK because it's every highlight Bill and I just said to each other. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Brandon Aronson, that's the, that's another, another chat favorite, another DM favorite. So, oh yeah. Exciting times on the U S soccer front. Yeah. Once the draft gets over and I just have like the summer staring me down, And it's just going to be like, oh, I have to prepare for qualifying now and just emotionally, (laughs) emotionally state myself. You're you're qualifying for qualifying. Exactly. (laughs) I have to make it through my own emotional levels of the next few months before I can actually even watch the U.S. play Honduras in a qualifying. Yeah. Oh, no, that's what's so, that's what's so funny. We see these fancy players now playing in Europe, and it's like, oh my god, they have so much skill. And then you watch any Concacaf game, and you're just like, oh, that's right, they're just the, <laughs> the, 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 the crap kicked out of them every single match. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that whole transition. It was, I just thought it was going to be beautiful, elegant ball against like no. you know Honduras or Costa Rica. Nah, no, let's park that bus. <laughs> gotta, you gotta, you gotta get a point in Costa Rica. That's tough to do. Exactly. Um, we will have plenty of time to discuss that. Stuff stuff in the months to come. But today, Nate, we are going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to get to the draft in a minute. We're going to talk about 10 of the top prospects in this year's class. And when it comes to receivers, talk about what they look like and what their best fit might be at the next level. But before we do that, Nate, we wanted to bring you on to talk about the Sam Darnold trade. Of course, Sam Darnold earlier this week, going from the Jets to the Carolina Panthers, sort of 
outside of maybe the Broncos, the last team sort of standing looking for a quarterback, I guess the Patriots as well, perhaps, but um, uh, Sam Darnold goes to the, the, the Panthers. The biggest part of the return is a second round pick next year. Obviously, seemed like he was on the way out. Um, you figure the Jets are drafting a quarterback at two. This sort of confirms that belief. Um, heavily rumored to be Zach Wilson. Um, other guys possibly in the mix as well. But the Sam Darnold era in New York over after three years. So Nate, let me start with this in terms of the last three years with Sam Darnold. Obviously, I don't think the Jets were expecting to move on from Sam Darnold after three seasons when they initially drafted him. There have been plenty of fair arguments to make about the quality of the receivers around him and the quality of the coaching staff around Sam Darnold. But in terms of the big picture here, in terms of what you've seen from Sam Darnold, how much responsibility does he bear for what's happened over the last three years? Oh, man. You, I mean, you have to put some uh, some on the players. And I, uh, it's just like, that's what's so funny because I'm a Darnold mm-hmm. fan. So I'm always going to blame it on the situation. That's fine. But it, it, no, but I do. It, it's going to be a little bit on him. I mean, it's not like he made it easier on himself at a lot mm-hmm. of times. Uh, but, you know, there are times where he was doing the best he could and doing the best he could with what he's working with. And I'm just hoping he and I don't think he did. Um, is get gun shy. Uh, mm-hmm. You see a lot of guys, the, the classic David Carr situation, you know, gets sacked 70 sometimes. And then all of a sudden he just can, you know, he like every time he drops back, he's flinching. And mm-hmm. Darnold, I don't think I, for better, or for worse, I think his, his, his aggressiveness um, at times to a stupid level of aggressiveness <laughs> is, is both his you know biggest asset and also his biggest detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if I had to put like a percentage on it, I would go like, 70 30 like i would say 70 percent the situation he was in but i would still say a growing chunk i would blame on darnold you know you have to progress at this time having said that i'm still gonna like say the stat of how young he is mm-hmm. um of course um, and yeah and i am glad that he's going to a situation like carolina like yeah like you said there it, it was kind of like the dominoes were falling about who needs a quarterback in that kind of mid-range and it's like this one made sense. Um, I actually almost preferred him in Denver, uh, just because mm-hmm. I think I think just the situation around him would have been even better than what he's going to in Carolina. Mm-hmm. But beggars can't be choosers, I guess. Yes, not the Jets. Seems like it's a fair uh, yeah. outcome for Sam Darnold after the three seasons he had there. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, I am not the refined eye uh, when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks that you have, oh, but no. just just watching <laughs> him play, I mean, it felt like. The, the sort of, oh, we already have a run-in from Nate Tyson's Mitch. chat. Mitch, uh, who, yeah. I was told by Robert Mays, uh, your co-host on the Athletic Football Show, that his dog has never interfered with the podcast before, but Mitch the Cat makes a run-in on every single podcast. That you every guys do. single show, Mitch makes an appearance, and it's always the same exact time. So, yeah, what are we, about 10 minutes in? Yeah, yeah. that's that, that's about right. She does it. She just has a timing for it. She, so I have a... I have like a little furniture piece behind me where we store mm-hmm. like our records and stuff, like, you know, cause we're hipsters <laughs> and, and the, and so Midge, like as soon as I slide that open to grab kind of like my recording equipment, my mm-hmm. headphones and stuff like that, she just goes, Oh, podcast time, huh? <laughs> she could be napping. She could be outside. She could be anywhere. She just trots over to me and starts circling in between my legs. And it's just like, Oh my God. I know and every time Robert, I can tell Robert, she's like, Oh, Molly, Molly's sleeping. No, she's good. It's like, hey, thanks Robert. Yep. I know. I know my cat. That's the noisy one. <laughs> That's fine. I appreciate yeah. any any animals are always welcome on the yeah. Barnwell show, especially if they have opinions on Sam Darnold. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Maybe she she heard Panthers and she's she liked that. That's I, a I'm good point. To- See what a professional transition that is. I can't believe 
that you came um, up with that off the dome. It's impressive. I'm learning from our mutual friend, <laughs> <laughs> the, king, the king of the transitions. I'm learning yes. from him. Yes. I, you know, I feel like when it came to Darnold's time in New York, it almost felt like the few sort of breakthrough moments he had where it was like, wow, look what he can do. Almost sort of encouraged him to be that aggressive in most situations when those were the exceptions to the rule. And I think about that play from the 49ers game that I think everyone brings up when I say, okay, well, look what Sam Darnold can do. Look at what he has in him that, you know, this incredible play where he escapes the pocket and makes an inch perfect throw. Like those are situations where you can make that throw and get away with it. And sometimes it's going to look great, but yeah. throwing late to the middle of the field is a disaster. And it's something you shouldn't yes. be doing, you know, at exactly. this point of your career. And, and it's going to lead to more interceptions than it is going to lead to those spectacular plays. And I think, you know, uh, the numbers for Sam Darnold when he isn't pressured, when he has a clean pocket, aren't all that great. And I think you've brought up the very fair argument that, you know, he might be a little bit shell-shocked or it might be, you know, just those experiences from the past where he has been struggling that sort of have led him to be uh, gun-shy in those situations. But I think about someone like David Carr, where, you know, for whatever prospect David Carr came into at the NFL level, for whatever he was going to be on a team with a great offensive line or in a great situation, by the end of his third year, I don't think he was that prospect anymore. So when you think about what he might be able to do in Carolina over the next couple of years, Nate, uh, do you think Sam Darnold can turn it around or is it just, you know, those, those scars from those first three years are going to be too much to bear? I think he's going to be fine. Just with as far as far as like keeping his aggressiveness, I think now what's good is, what, was, what I've kind of noticed with Darnold is, and you can tell he was a basketball player first. He's almost mm-hmm. built like a tight end. Like if he came out like 20 years ago, he would not be playing quarterback. Um, and it's just, I think with all that, all those things being said is that he's still learning the quarterback things with like mm-hmm. quarterback things to do as far as, a be, as instead of being an athlete and a thrower, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, he's learning the position, which is not exactly what you want to say about a guy going into his fourth year <laughs> in the NFL, but he still is. And I just don't think he got that experience that a lot of young quarterbacks uh, will get as far as mm-hmm. the teaching point and all that and the transitioning and, or just like easing into the NFL. He almost needed what Mahomes got in Kansas City to sit with an Alex Smith on top of him and just like, okay, let's let's learn what I can and can't get away with. Mm-hmm. So I think I think going to a system or a system a uh, uh, play caller and play designer like Joe Brady is. I was so curious to watch Joe Brady last year is, is because I wanted to see how much of his LSU stuff he ran, or is it going to look like the saints or what, what, what exactly is it going to look like in the NFL? Cause you can't do all the, that RPO stuff as much as he did mm-hmm. with LSU. And I actually like, I became a bigger fan of Brady last year than I was when he came from LSU. I, I really, I, yeah, I have more of an, that. It's just that old man thinking I have sometimes where I'm just like, Oh, NFL, not for long, you know, just another, another offensive guru who has it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And then I watched him last year and it was like, he changed his offense to kind of match the skill set of his players. Mm-hmm. Like he understood Robbie Anderson. He put Robbie Anderson in the slot and not just like to run like jukey routes or anything mm-hmm. like that, but just to get him in space. So he can just be dynamic with the, with the run after the catch. Mm-hmm. He kept DJ Moore on longer routes. He did the formation stuff with Curtis Samuel and guys like the, the Nolan or uh, the Turners did that before mm-hmm. with Curtis Samuel and put him in the backfield and all that, but they kind of like kept at it. Like he, he, he made it kind of like a real package as opposed to a once a play a once a game thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay. And he understood Teddy Bridgewater. Of course he had experience with them, but it was like, all right, he didn't square peg round hole. It. So mm-hmm. I was like, 
okay, I like him a little bit more. If he just like he just caught you know control C, control V, what he did at LSU, <laughs> what he did at LSU, I'd be like, ah oh, man, you know, I, I get it. It was cute. It, it was not cute. It was good stuff. But it was it was it was working at that level and you know working with that that rule set. But you know you got to change it up, and it looked totally different. And I was like, okay, I, I think he does the right things. I still want to see it, but it's like I'm happy that he's working with Sam Darnold because it's mm-hmm. like he's gonna at least be smart with him and just go like, hey, he can do this. He can do this. He can't do this. He can't do this. Let's 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 try and focus on that. You didn't mm-hmm. see Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater truly dropping back twenty five times and throwing trying to throw deep balls anywhere because you know Teddy's got kind of a popcorn arm. Mm-hmm. So, but it was a lot. It was a lot of timing throws, a lot of short intermediate throws, a lot of stuff where Teddy could just place the ball and, and just get the ball out of his hands. And so I was like, okay, okay. So I, I, I want. I'm very very curious to see what he does with Darnold. Is it going to be? I, I my guess is he's going to make it a lot mm-hmm. more play action-y with a lot of two-man reads and stuff of that sort. Just let Darnold go hanging there, be aggressive, and check it down or scramble and just make it easy on him as a dropping back like Case had him do over and over and over and over um, mm-hmm. out of the same static formations. So I, I think Brady's going to just bring a little more creativity to open things up for Darnold. Makes total sense. And in terms of the sort of production from Darnold, I mean, obviously he has to stay healthy. And they have to protect him. And those things are sort of basics. But in terms of the Panthers, it seems like they're taking shots at quarterback. They got rid of Cam after uh, after the regime change happened there. Regime change. Regime change <laughs> last year. Uh, happened with Matt. I'm not the writer. I'm not the writer here, dude. I, I have the worst English. You, you see me tweet, so I, I, I can't. Yeah, yeah. It's pot calling a kettle black here. <laughs> All good. Um, so you know, like they bring in Matt Rule, they get rid of Cam, they sign Teddy Bridgewater. Well, now they sort of think Teddy Bridgewater's not the guy, so you trade for Sam Darnold, and they gave up a lot for Sam Darnold, but not mm-hmm. so much that they're like locked into him. I know the money is there in 2022, 20, 2022. They're picking up his fifth year option. I think that's 18 million, which would be a lot for a backup. You know, would be a lot for a guy <laughs> you cut, but we've seen he also stayed $33 million to trade Carson Wentz in terms of dead money. So $18 million is not going to be the end of the world. So not out of the question, the Panthers see Sam Darnold as a guy where, Hey, if this works out in 2021, great. He's our guy. And if not, we'll move on and we'll either draft somebody or go after a free agent next year. So in terms of Sam Darnold's 2021, whether it's a number, whether it's a level of play, whether it's a record, I mean, anything that comes to mind for you in terms of Sam Darnold has to do X for the Panthers to have him be their starter in week one of 2022. And yeah, it's not, to me, it's not Pro Bowl. It's not anything like that. It's just putting together consistent games. And I know mm-hmm. that's just such a broad stroke, but that was the thing I kind of just always saw with Darnold. It's just like, I mean, you could just even look at box score. It's just yep. that one game he torches them. And it's like, oh my God, like he's putting it together. And the next game he looks awful. And he's 10 for 34 and two fumbles and a pick. And it's like, all right, man. <laughs> like, yeah. and it's just that consistency of putting three weeks together or four weeks together. And until I see just avoiding the blow up games. It's almost like a golfer. Like for him, it's not that he has to hit a birdie every hole. Just play par, you know, just play par or bogey golf. And I, I think uh, the Masters are on, so maybe that's why that's in my mind. But <laughs> um, but that's that's what I think Darnold needs to do. Just play par, just play it safe. You know, we don't, he doesn't have to play a hero ball. You know, I, I just want to see continued consistency out of him. I think that's what I, I would like to see. And I know that, I mean, who knows what the Panthers are doing? It seems like, 
they gave him seven year contracts that are really like two year deals apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, everything seems sped up there. So who knows how that's their thinking, but that's what I would see. If I saw, you know, some of those good games, you know, not just, like I said, not pro bowl level, but just competency and above mm-hmm. average play to good play for four or five weeks. I'd be like, okay, okay. I think this guy's turning a corner, but if I see, a couple of those blow-up games, that's what that would get me worried, especially what I think they're going to do and make it safer for him. So that would be that would be very worrisome. Also, I'm kind of – it's funny. Like, he, he goes from, like, an iffy O-line situation to a iffy O-line situation. <laughs> so that's also something to, like, kind of take note of, too. It's like, all right, is the pressure thing going to still be something real? But watching the Panthers last year, I did think things – I was, like, curious. I was like, all right, are they going to – they're going to have protection issues. They actually did a good job and they were sound. So I do think they, they're greater than the sum of their parts, but that's something also that's going to be interesting to watch again is that the pressure still like does something to them. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, that brings us to our next conversation, Nate, because the Panthers had the eighth overall pick. It now seems like they won't be drafting a quarterback, although I guess you can't rule it out altogether. Stranger things have happened. But um, <laughs> let's assume the Panthers aren't taking a quarterback at eight. Now, they don't really need a wide receiver in the long term, but DJ Moore is entering the end of his rookie deal, was drafted by the prior regime. Robbie Anderson entering the final year of his deal at the moment. Um, you know, they could theoretically draft a receiver. I think they're probably going to draft a tackle to replace Russell Lacoon on the left side or maybe a defensive player. But at the end of the day, the Panthers have options and they could be in the running for a wide receiver. And that's also true for just about everyone who's not trying to get a quarterback <laughs> in this year's draft. So I wanted to have you on to talk about this wide receiver class because last year, obviously a, a, a usually deep wide receiver class sort of seen as a historical class in some ways. And we saw some incredible performances uh, from rookies, we saw Justin Jefferson look like a superstar. We saw we saw guys around the league make impacts, and we also saw guys who struggled. We saw mm-hmm. you know Jerry Judy not have a big year. We saw Henry Ruggs have an inconsistent season. Um, we saw Jalen Rieger not really impress all that much. Guys who were all drafted before Justin Jefferson. So obviously, I'm not going to sit here and ask you to predict who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, because that's extremely extremely difficult, but I want to run through these 10 guys with you, um, sort of 10, 10 of the top prospects in this year's draft class and talk about just how you view them. Maybe ask you a couple questions about maybe holes to pick in them to some extent, and then we're going to talk about their best fits. So try and find a team or a scheme that would make sense for each of these 10 guys. And so I'm going to start this wide receiver discussion by asking about a guy who is not a wide receiver. 
And that is Kyle <laughs> Pitts, the tight end from Florida, who has been, um, I would say all of football Twitter is in love with Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't think it I might just be, it might just be football. Like just all football. Jerry, <laughs> Cow, Cowboys, Cowboys reports today say Jerry Jones is infatuated with trading up for him. Um, you know, I haven't seen any really. I can't think of a single tweet or a single report or a single scattering report where someone said, eh, I'm not into this guy. Like, I don't think Kyle Pitts yeah. is all that exciting. So here's what I'm going to ask you. This is me being the contrarian jerk of the show. I look at the guys who have been taken in the top 10 at tight end in the modern era. Oof. It's, it's a rough list. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Vernon Davis, Kellen Winslow, yep. TJ Hawkinson, Kyle yep. Brady, Ricky Dudley, and Eric Ebra. So those guys, obviously, wide variety of skill sets. You go from having, you know, the basketball skill set with Ricky Dudley to Cal Brady, who is, you know, was an inline tight end start to finish. Cal Pitts that was, like is, Bel- that was like Belichick's like dream prospect, by the way. It was uh, Brady, Cal Brady. Like yeah. apparently, apparently that was like his favorite prospect like ever or something like that. And mm-hmm. like he couldn't, he could not wait until the Jaguars let him go to like swoop him off, <laughs> which I just think is the funniest thing to me. Now, it, some gritty wide tight end. <laughs> if, you, if you may remember what happened the first year he was on the Patriots, I think it's only year on the Patriots. They went 16 and 0. So maybe Belichick uh, was right. Uh, I think you're on to something here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Kyle Pitts is not the same as those guys. And those guys had a variety of different careers. Vernon Davis, you know, had a pretty impressive career when things were said and done. Um, TJ Hawkinson, a guy who's still in his second year, we don't know anything about what he's going to be. And he was much better as a sophomore than he was during an injury hit rookie season. Again, Mitch, strong feelings about the tight end class. But, <laughs> Nate, in terms of Kyle Pitts, why is he the exception to the rule? Why is he the top 10 tight end who is going to deliver on that promise as opposed to these guys who, you know, kind of came close but didn't or guys who just totally whiffed? Yeah, I, and that, that's a great point because, like, with him, like, Vernon Davis was the freak of freaks, you know, and and I actually said this to Robert or he who must not be named. And it was <laughs> when we on the show was when, when you know, I still remember, I vividly remember my dad coming from the Combine and, you know, all of a sudden I saw Maryland guys. My dad went to Maryland. So I was like, oh, my God, you know, uh, how'd that tight end look? And he was like, I mean, he can't catch, but who's going to tackle him? So that – and that was his line. And that's what always stuck with me. Kyle Pitts can catch. <laughs> so that's already a huge difference right there. A lot of those kind of – the Eric Ebron's in the world. Eric Ebron was like a glorified slot receiver in college. Mm-hmm. He played at North Carolina. He was in the slot like, running a ton of sail routes and seam balls. He was never in line, and he also had drops issues. Yep. Um, other guys, TJ Hawkinson, I would say, you know, he was a little more complete, but he's not nowhere near the tier of athlete that mm-hmm. that Kyle Pitts is. I mean, he has the longest or second longest wingspan ever for a tight end. I think it's him and Mo Ali Cox, who was a, a D one basketball player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that right. that makes a lot that makes a lot of sense. Um, and also like the negatives with him, you know, Kellen Winslow is the other one. Like that's the only kind of body type kind of comparison I have, but that that's a weird comparison to make. I don't even want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, but with Pitts, it's like the negatives, of course, and is you're going to look at his blocking. And with him, it's a little bit of projection, but he does show on tape that he's fine. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say good. I would not say good. But he has fight, and he has he knows where he's going. That's a big thing. It's just eyes. 
a lot of tight ends you can see are hesitant on, especially softer ones, because mm-hmm. they're like, I think that I do. I have to block the DN here. I guess I do. Oh, here we go. And it's like with Pitts, he's like, Nope, I got this is my assignment. I'm going to do a good job here. Okay, fight, fight, fight. All right, it's, it's a stalemate. He's more of a shielder than a guy that's going to pancake anyone. Guess what? Most tight ends in the league now, that's what they are. You're not. You don't right. get a traditional wide tight end anymore. But that's the thing with why Pitts has value is he can be a wide tight end mm-hmm. and get the job done. Um, and when, if you keep him in line, and then all of a sudden you go on third down and you split him out like a receiver, that's the value is that he's a, a plus plus tight end receiver. And then he's competent, I would mm-hmm. say, you know, competent as a blocker. But that's also where the projection comes in. He's 240 and change, he's long as all get out, and he came in legally drink yet. So there's still there's still room for growth. Like he's not maxed out. He's not a senior coming out. He he's a true junior. You know he, he just he has room for growth and he's young. So that's what's really so much fun about him is that not only his tape is just outstanding, like mm-hmm. excellent excellent tape. He's my number three overall guy uh, for the offensive skill guys, and ends up, ended up being our number three guy overall. Mm-hmm. I have I have Lawrence and Fields above him just because of quarterback you know sure. quarterbacks I've, I've, <laughs> are gonna pr- have a premium sure. but he is just he's just an incredible p- football player that has room to grow and mm-hmm. then all you hear about the, all the off-field stuff and he's a great worker and all that so it's kind of like if you're gonna take a tight end top 10 because i'm in the same line of thinking when you look that up I, i've looked that up consistently it's like don't take a tight end early just grab a freaky guy in the middle of rounds and hope he figures it out because that's that seems to be what works. It's just mm-hmm. grab some freaky long guy and just hope he figures it out once he enters the NFL. <laughs> and Kyle Pitts actually has film where he's a football player. So mm-hmm. it's it's just really, really he's just an extremely exciting prospect to watch. And he might he might have some growing pains, like literally and figuratively, once he enters enters the NFL. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy I could see first half of the year, all of us going like, oh man, I thought he was going to dominate. And then he has a bye week where he, he resets a little bit and then he blows up in the second half of the year. Mm-hmm. I can really see that, uh, have that type of projection where he actually is a contributor as a, as a, I was about to say as a freshman, but as a, as a rookie, which is, that's incredibly rare for a tight end. Yeah. Tight, even the best rookie tight ends typically struggle. I mean, you get rare exceptions here and there. Like when you have like, you know, like a Hernandez Gronk combo with, you know, Tom Brady as their quarterback. If he, if he has a, you know, top five quarterback, different story, but typically those guys do struggle and then take a big step forward in their second season. Um, in terms of the fit here, I mean, I'm going to give my fit here because it's not going to happen, but I have <laughs> to say it. I brought it up when I talked about the Niners trade up uh, just the idea of linking Kyle Pitts with George Kittle and having that sort of possible mismatch, you know, pre-snap on every single play. is just so fascinating to me. Like, I know it's not going to happen. They know they didn't make that trade to do that, but it would be really cool. Can we live in that world? Yeah, <laughs> but, right. Like, I want to see I, it for a year. I know. I know. It's, God, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Like, because they would never have to get out. Like, even with, like, you can see the versatility that Kyle Shanahan just has been craving lately. Uh, lately, he has, you know, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and, and you know, Juice Shack. Mm-hmm. Like, he just wants all these guys that are all Swiss Army knives. And then exactly. you, get the, you get the ultimate guy. And it's like, they never have to get out of 12 personnel <laughs> every hey. single snap. It's just like, you're good. <laughs> you're good. I know. I, I love it. I love it. I, you know, I just want to kind of like how I think it's going to play out. I think either the Bengals or the Dolphins with nine, five or six, I, mm-hmm. I think one of them is going to go receiver, but I think it's crazy. I think both of them should just take him and just, hey, sprint up to the podium if he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's more of a, just a, a 
making sense as far as the draft position and everything. Oh man, but he's scheme proof. That's that's what's so fun. That's why you know he's a top tier talent. Is like mm-hmm. you just see you can see him with every offense and go, ooh, that's fun. Maybe not like the Vikings and the Kubiak offense or something like that, but like you know that doesn't utilize the tight end as much. Uh, but it's oh man, it's like those types of things. It's like that's that's what's so fun about him. I know I I said Dolphins or Bengals just because I think that's where he might end up, but he actually might. Who, who knows? He might. He, a couple of teams might just get a little have their eyes on the receivers. So who knows? Who knows? What yeah. happens if he falls. He falls to some team like at eight, nine, ten, eleven, and you're just like, what? <laughs> Why is he there? Okay, cool. I'll I'll take him. That's just a BPA all the way. It happens. I mean, look what happened with Luke Keekley, right? Like, yeah, I, I yeah. think he's the classic example of a guy who just fell and Panthers said, okay, we're good. Like, we'll, we'll take him. Yeah. And yeah. then got a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's great. Yep. Like, if that's how it works out for you, you know, draft Cal Pitts, figure it out later, I think is absolutely fair to say. Um, yeah, I, I agree. So going to the wide receivers, I'm not going in any order in terms of preference, just in terms of generally where they've popped up on mock drafts here and there. Let's start with Jamar Chase, LSU prospect. Um, I'll start with this, Nate. In terms of his college production, really only one season as the full-time starter, and it came in a year where the LSU offense was incredible. You mentioned Joe Brady's offense a little earlier, but first overall pick in Joe Burrow quarterback, multiple other number one picks at wide receiver in the offense. Jamar Chase was awesome. He was awesome mm-hmm. in that year, but he was one of several players in a offense that could do no wrong, it seemed like from week to week, and then, of course, opted out this past year. So in terms of that, not limited production, but in that short-term production, does that phase you at all when it comes to projecting Jamar Chase's ability at the professional level? Um, A little bit, because that offense almost seemed fake at times. I mean, it was just, you know, RPOs off of a bunch of formations where it's just, Chase just had to basically post up the corner who was playing with outside leverage, you know? So sometimes he's put in those habitation situations. And it, like you said, it was just like, everything was automatic. Like he was just like, Burrow was putting balls on the money every single time. Mm-hmm. Okay. If the safety wants to stay with Chase and Jamar, you know, you got not Jamar Jefferson, Justin Jefferson working from the slot. And it's like, you know, he was doing his magic on the inside and then all, Oh yeah. They have another guy that might go in the first or second round as their third receiver. And then they have Randy Moss's kid at tight end. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, I completely agree with all that. With, with Chase, I and I said this with Robert is that I don't see him as the generational prospect that others have been touting him as. Mm-hmm. I see him as a, a good prospect. Don't get me wrong; I have a first round grade on him. I have a lottery pick grade on him, which is a, I, I consider a top twenty pick. Yeah, and I just what what, what worries me because we we hyped him up and and he's a huge. I mean, well, I shouldn't say what worries. He's a ball winner, and that's mm-hmm. what his biggest attribute is. He's super competitive. He's going trying high point every throw, um, extend over the middle, all those types of things. The negatives I have with him is I've seen the comparisons to Des Bryant, the Anquan Boldens, and all that. Those guys were playing that kind of bully ball style mm-hmm. at 220, 225 in the NFL because guys are just bigger in the NFL. So I just have some apprehension with people that are touting him as a top 10 pick because I consider that receivers, if you want to take a receiver in the top 10, um, they have to be just the 0.001% athlete. And Chase was Chase tested great, but he's also six foot, 200 pounds, you know, listed 200 pounds. So he's probably about 195, you know, and that worries me. He also has shorter arms. So he his arms are 30, 30 inches and change, you know, mm-hmm. so that – that's my concerns with him. That's why I'm a little, I wouldn't say lower. I still have a first round grade on him, but just a tad lower than I think than some other people are. Having said that, I do think he is like a scheme proof type of receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
he also would probably just benefit from only playing on the outside when you kind of play that bully ball game. Like he mm-hmm. didn't wasn't asked to run an extended route tree either with that offense. We mentioned mm-hmm. it earlier. Um, it's just that that's, those are the concerns. It's, is he a good route runner or is he just kind of good at the routes that they, he was asked to run? You have to ask that with a lot of receivers and him included. Um, but then that's where the projection comes in. You look at traits and a body control and all that. And that's also where some of my concern came in was that some of the routes he's great when he's on the move and, and his body control and his um, hand-eye coordination is just mm-hmm. excellent. But then you see things like when he's running certain routes, he kind of gets stuck a little bit and, and, and chop, chops his feet a little bit. And it's like, okay, so he still has work to refine. He's not going to come in and just dominate. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where my apprehension is. But it's he's still a great player, and he is kind of scheme-proof because those ball winners are, are just scheme-proof. Like, you can just mm-hmm. plug them anywhere. And that's why I, I get the Eagles have been kind of like that <laughs> rumor to just absolutely love him. Right. And to me, that actually makes a ton of sense because if their QB situation is Hurts, uh, uh, that sounds like a pun, but it's not. Um, it's, it's, it's that he can spray it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he – Guy that can win balls, like that can actually catch these balls that are outside of his catching range. Or I'm sorry, that are extended and everything, mm-hmm. and actually make it work and be a friendly guy for for a quarterback that might have accuracy issues. And that's the thing too. And I'm talking about both sides of my mouth here. Is that these he's not a precise route runner, but that's mm-hmm. fine because all those precise route runners that we all love, the Antonio Browns of the world, the Devontae Adams, the Keenan Allen's of the world, they're with a quarterback that can put the ball precisely. Mm-hmm. And, and have timing and throw everything out accurate and on time. So it's less needed if the quarterback doesn't win that way, if that makes sense. Like Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen made all the sense in the world because it's timing and timing. Uh, 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 Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers makes all the sense in the world. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's he's doing that and Aaron's going to just put it exactly where he wants it. So that's where maybe his one negative makes more sense with the Eagles. I just kind of like, you know, I'm galaxy braining a little bit, but <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. That's what we're here for. We're here to get Yeah, us. exactly. <laughs> um, I threw out the Lions um, thinking about yeah. what their situation is. They have at, went out and added. Um, who do they have at receiver? Nobody. Uh, they have Qu- Quintez Cephas, uh, Wisconsin Badger. They have Wisconsin Badger, Quintez Cephas. They signed <laughs> They signed Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. That's right. Year, That's right. Which are two, you know, short-term deals for guys who are veterans. And But I'm less concerned about them being on the roster. And more about what the signing tells me, which is I think this offense is going to chuck it. Like, I think the fact that you added two downfield threats, guys who are really just burners, makes me think this offense is going to be about a lot of play action and a lot of shots downfield. And I think that adding, you know, uh, a guy like with Chase's ability to that offense, again, not a guy where you have to be totally precise, but a guy where you want to give him a chance to win, you know, on those 50 50 balls, get him mm-hmm. downfield. And take those shots. I feel like he can be that player um, in terms of his frame and in terms of his uh, in terms of his athletic ability. So I think they certainly need help at receiver. They need help pretty much everywhere. So <laughs> you know, like they can pretty much start anything. But I w- I would go chase uh, to the Lions. And that totally makes sense. It's and that's the thing. It's like that. That's my angel and devil. It's like me personally. It's like no. I, you have so much that you need to build with at <laughs> the Lions or Detroit. You just need best player available, not just receiver. You get a guy in the second round, but it's like mm-hmm. you look at the receiver room and you're like, yeah, you guys need some help. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, all right, that might want that actually makes sense. And that makes all the sense in the world. And just the synergy he has with those other guys that you mentioned, that, that mm-hmm. makes all the sense because he can operate in that intermediate range um, and just devastate guys in that kind of that eight to 15 yard range that mm-hmm. he's best at. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, Devontae Smith, next up on the list. Uh, Alabama star excelled during the playoffs. Um, if you watch the playoffs, which I did, I'm not going to pretend I'm a college football <laughs> expert, but I certainly watched the playoffs and Devontae Smith uh, made himself known in the postseason. But of course, there has to be a concern. And the concern with Devontae Smith is that nobody seemed to have weighed him between the end of the regular <laughs> season and the draft. He was not weighed at his pro day and there was no combine. And so there are concerns about his frame at the pro level. So Nate, does that bother you at all? Are you concerned at all about Devontae Smith's ability to hold up to the strenuous nature of the NFL? Yeah, he's unprecedented. And I, I, I'm betting that he is the outlier um, just in his skill set and also his durability he's shown in college. Um, Alabama grinds guys into the ground. Uh, yeah. they've, they had years and years where guys had foot issues because they just got worn down. Um, and that's, that's the, the benefit there is that you're going to compete every day. It's, it's like, honestly, like, you know, Bayern Munich or any big time soccer club, like mm-hmm. it's just the exact same way. They're just going to bring in talent and, oh, you're hurt. You're not feeling right. All right. We got two other five stars that can compete for your job. Right. Exactly. And from, from what I've heard is Devontae's the most competitive guy, the toughest one, the one that works the hardest. And for Alabama guys to say that, that's like, mm-hmm. Huh. All right. That's interesting. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. And so that toughness, that durability, I do think it, it yes, of course, the skinniness and, and the size is just going to be, ah, but I just never saw it show up in this play where I'm like, oh my God, he's getting anytime a physical corner just rocks him. He can't get off press or he's scared to catch the ball over the middle. In fact, two of the better things he does is work against press. Mm-hmm. And and also when he's in traffic, he extends and, and snatches the ball and plays bigger than he is. And that's why I just I, just, I, I love Devontae. I do mm-hmm. do think he's the outlier because he just has that unique skill set of uh, like this rare skill set. Like he has probably the best hands I've mm-hmm. seen uh, since I've ever watched like college receivers. Um, you know, I, I he has just this body movement. I don't know how to describe it. I said, uh, like I've yet to figure out what to compare him to because I just don't know how he moves like anybody else. And that's weird for me to say, because usually I'm like, Oh yeah, he reminds me of some like 1999 Vikings backup. And it's like, you know, like with him, I'm just like, I have no idea who he moves like. So he's just such an interesting watch. I just think he's just an ultimate kind of football player that, that just, it, it just, wherever he goes, he's going to bring that competitive streak and, mm-hmm. and just that skill, that rare skill set that he has. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned the weight thing. So when, when teams have, uh, and I, I got, I don't think teams are doing it either. So like, so Devonte missed the weigh in for probably the senior bowl. I think he did. Didn't do it for the combine for whatever reason um, or the pro day. And then usually teams have those top 30 visits with the prospects they like, you know, and they bring them in and usually, you know, it's, they interview everybody. They interview every director and the position coach, the coordinator, the head coach, you meet, you meet the medical or the medical staff, you meet the strength staff. You just kind of like almost like a recruiting visit, but it's also like an interview process. And part of that process sometimes is, Hey, go meet the strength coach. Hey, Hey, uh, while you're down here, go weigh in. Like all of a sudden certain guys, you're just like, Hey, Hey, uh, we're just weighing in everybody. And you like, okay, yeah, I don't even, Write down, yeah, okay, what are you, 305? Okay, cool. Oh, this guy, yeah, okay, we're curious about his weight. Oh, was that water weight? Uh, 192. Okay, we're good. <laughs> you know, it's like you're, I'm a little, you know, in my role when I was with the Falcons, I was like a little snitch in that, in that aspect. <laughs> and, and so, like, I, I, that's what's funny is now teams can't do the top 30 visits, I don't believe. I, I think they are not allowed. I think they're just doing them all through Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of interesting is teams are still not going to get that weigh in number, <laughs> the ones that they usually got in this time. But I, I just do think he is the outlier. I, I, I'm a huge fan of his game, and I just think that 
he is another guy that's almost scheme proof in a weird way. Um, so I, I'm very interested to see where he ends up because I could see a team falling in love like I am and taking them early. I could also see him falling into like the you know the late 20s, which you know I could just see teams having those concerns. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see where he ends up because I think he's going to be exciting no matter what. Where would your ideal fit be for him if you got to choose? Oh my God, the Chiefs. Uh, okay, I would, yeah. I, I would cry if you went to the Chiefs. I would just <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be football nirvana. Uh, and, he, and he fits what they do because all those intermediate extended route. Oh God, it would just be perfect. Um, <laughs> but, but honestly, like if a, a team more realistically, probably where he's going to go like the bears would actually make a lot of sense. Uh, he compliments Allen Robinson, even though the bears, you know, I don't want Andy Dalton thrown to him, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it makes sense as far as what they need at the receiver position and they just need juice. Like that's always been my negative with the Bears offense is who who's the explosive player. Mm-hmm. I love Allen Robinson, but he's not an explosive player. He he's a you know short intermediate technician. Mm-hmm. Um and, and you know, wins the balls. And it's just that he would bring just such a different element to their game, uh, as much as I hate to say it, or someone like Washington, um, you know, and because they just need need help on the outside too, and he would mm-hmm. match well with with uh scary Terry. So those are kind of the teams I think realistically, but if I were if the football gods were real, he would fall to the Chiefs. <laughs> I think the Chiefs have like eight receivers from this draft. Unfortunately, uh, uh, um, if I'm just doing that, I know, I know. I, I about every every long like speedy guy. I was like Chiefs. Chiefs. Oh, shit. Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I said Dolphins, and I think okay. that's maybe just just doing the the simple thing of like two is there. You have that some connection from college, but I think also look at what they have. I mean, Devontae Parker is mm-hmm. a physical receiver, a guy who's going to win 50-50 balls. Will Fuller on a one-year deal, a deep threat. Um, Preston Williams, I mean, you know, there might be something there, but he's gotten hurt a bunch of times. Mike yeah. Gesicki, I think unlocked a little bit here and there from him with Fitz, but, you know, a big slot guy, a guy who's at the end of his deal coming up, not sure if he's going to stick around. I think Devontae, just, there's, like, there's, there's this huge sort of space for underneath targets for, mm-hmm. you know, the opportunity to do stuff after the catch. And I feel like Devontae could be that guy for the Dolphins. Again, who knows? Like they might end up changing the way that offense looks, but I do think there's the opportunity there to get a lot of volume. And I think that's what I want to see from him. Uh, at the NFL level. Yeah, that, that makes all sense to run for the points you laid out. Just don't, I know I'm a fan of Preston Williams, but he's gotten hurt. He has drops issues and it's just like, you know, are you going to rely on that every single year? And so it's like, he might be, end up being just, you know, a better fit for another team and Devante just overtakes him on the outside. But that, that's a great point. And I, what I like about Devante too, is he can line up on the slot and it's not so much, he, he's that jukey Cole Beasley type, but he's got the body control and the route tree to kind of like make a lot of those shorter routes work. And then, and yeah, he's not jukey, but then he gets North and that body control that he shows and that everything that the gliding he does, he's, he's, he can turn like a little four yard route to an eight yard gain, which is those kind of hidden yards that a guy like, I'm not comparing him, but like, just like Tyreek Hill gets like Tyreek Hill will catch a bubble that should go for four yards. He'll get 10. And it's like, just like, Oh, wow, that's, that's, but okay, <laughs> it's almost cheating, but okay, way to go. Right. <laughs> yeah, That's... and I think Devontae has that kind of thing to him. Yeah, for sure. Next up on the list, another Alabama receiver, Jalen Waddle. And I guess that's sort of what I want to ask you about with Waddle is that sort of a similar discussion when it comes to Chase and that, um, you know, has a really impressive debut year at college. Um, sophomore year, it takes a little bit of a step backwards, just a ton of other guys to catch passes. And then last year, high ankle sprain ends his season. He turns pro. How much does it matter to you that he's always had another superstar receiver next to him, whether it's been Jerry Judy, Ruggs, Devontae? I mean, there's always been other options in this offense. 
how much does that impact the way you view Jalen Waddle? Oh, absolutely. And that's actually what, even for team fit and everything like that, I think he should go to a team that already has another guy mm-hmm. uh, as far as the receiver position. I am scared if he goes to a team and he's their number one. Um, so I would say that does concern me. Um, I think ideally he's your super, super number two, like basically a number one, but not really kind of as far as targets and, and how you design for him. Um, also, another thing with him is that the injury stuff is, is real. He is smaller. People want to knock Devontae for, for his size. Waddle's <laughs> very tiny too. Yeah. And he has shorter arms again, um, but he does have rare acceleration and, and speed and all that, which, which, and he knows how to utilize it. That's the thing. It, it, his speed and his athleticism, so it, he utilizes it. It's not just – it's not theory on a post route. It's like, oh, no, he actually like, can pull away from an over route and actually catch the ball. Um, I think the problem with him – or not problem, just something uh, uh, I have a concern with him is that is he maxed out? Is this is what you're getting? Like, as soon is there any room for improvement from mm-hmm. him? Or is it just going to be you only have – you have to uh, – Sark did, he's, did an incredible – I mean, anyone probably could with all the five stars they have, but he he credit where credit's due. He utilizes guys in the right way at Alabama, and Waddle always was on motion. He was in the slot. He was in stack formations just to, so he didn't have to get pressed or he didn't have to win from the outside consistently. And does he still need that? It's kind of like one of those question marks. Is it because he needs that, or is it just because that's what they prefer and they're putting him in the right position? In the NFL, if you're going to have to play every down or a lot of those downs, like you're not going to get always put exactly where you need to be every single time. Like you're going to have right. to win in a, in a bad situation. But that's my concerns with him. I still think he's a dynamic talent and he also has returnability. So that's where the bust potential can be. I wouldn't say bust, but just more of a uh, more of a super role player potential mm-hmm. could be there as opposed to a star. But, you know, his floor is going to be high because speed's always going to be useful and and a returner is always going to be useful. But that's why I have concerns taking him in the top 15 um, or any of that sort. And that's why I think he's more of like a luxury pick for a team that mm-hmm. might have already have a good offense and just wants to get that final explosive piece mm-hmm. um, as opposed to a guy you truly build around. So where would that fit be for you then? Oh, man, shoot. I said the Bears as another one, even though they're picking in the teens. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, a team, honestly, like I just brought him up again, was, you know, uh, uh, or another pick of 20, sorry. But uh, but Washington, um, mm-hmm. I can see, honestly, like, I don't love it, but um, uh, the Jets, even, if they want to add another weapon there mm-hmm. with Corey Davis and, and Mims, you know, because he would be a totally different skill set. I don't think they would put that like draft capital into that. Uh, but those guys, they, they would make sense. Even a team, I hate to say it because they already had outside, re- they just invest in receivers. And it seems like they pick a receiver too, it, is the Cardinals. I was going to say the Cardinals. Yeah, because that, that just makes sense for what they have. Um, I would not I would not do it if I were them, but it makes sense. It totally makes sense because he can operate from the slot. He has two outside guys. He doesn't have to be the guy eating 120 targets right away as a rookie. He can get to that 80 target range that are in high, you know, better situations for him. Mm-hmm. So that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I just felt like uh, watching that team at the end of last year, they just were so slow. They just desperately need speed on the outside. And I don't know if that's something you do in the first round. They'll have other options. I have maybe some fits later on that might make sense for them, but I just felt like that seemed like a place where if he falls and they think he's a superstar, even though they have so much invested already at receiver, I could see them saying, Hey, you know, we're going to live or die based on our passing game. We're going to live or die based on how Kyler Murray plays over the next five years. We're going to get him this guy and we're going to, you know, 
if we have too many receivers, great. Like that's not the end of the world either when it comes to our offense. Uh, yeah. And, and Adrian Green might retire any year now. So right. it's like, you know, and that's also an okay. First rookie year, Waddle doesn't have to be eating all those targets. It's like, okay, then we can transition them to the outside. It makes a ton of sense. And yeah, I, I agree with it. And I mean, Cardinals kind of play fantasy football anyways with the roster. So, yes. so who knows? Yes. Very much a roster that looks like it's built by someone playing Madden, which is yes. fine. That's an okay yeah. way to run your football. It team. is. Yeah. Yeah. If you, you can live that way. They got Rodney Hudson. So I honestly, I think that's been their most valuable pickup. I, I, I honestly mm-hmm. do. It's just, I think that's going to shore up so much of the issues I've had with that team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that, that actually has been the sneak, I'm mean, not sneaky, but like that, that's going to be a huge pickup for them more than any receiver or weapon that, uh, uh, that they're going to put off to the table. Yeah, for sure. Um, fifth guy on our list of 10, Canarius, Tony, uh, the Florida whiteout. I will say, uh, I'm just going to lead you in with this, Nate, the NFL.com comp for Canarius, Tony is Harry Douglas. <laughs> is it actually? Yes. How, how does that make you feel? Awful. Uh, <laughs> that might be my comparison for him too. I am. I'm a little lower on Tony than a lot of people. <laughs> um, actually, he's a guy that I like for the Cardinals too because mm-hmm. I actually because again fantasy football. Um, but I would say more Cardinals in the second round as opposed to their first round pick. I I don't see him as a top thirty or forty talent in this mm-hmm. in in this draft. I but I I, I I would absolutely if I had the scheme or the, the kind of team fit for him, like him in the late second, you know, uh, more as a, a guy that we can guide along and have him learn the receiver position. I just, you know, with him, my, my issues with him is that he he's a senior and everyone keeps making excuses. He played high school uh, or quarterback in high school. It's like, yeah, a lot of the best guys yes. play quarterback in high school. Like, why is that? that why is that the only excuse for this guy? Mm-hmm. You know how many? So many guys play quarterback in high school, and also it's like I have the concerns. He didn't produce until a senior in the COVID shortened year, so it's kind of like a weird year this year where it, you know the teams were very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dan Mullen and their office coordinator, who's now the quarterback coach for the Eagles. So he's at least, you know, seems like a good coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had troubles to kind of put him on the field for most of his career. And then not only now as he is a senior, he is, you know, has bus like obvious bus that I see. And also mm-hmm. he has a lot of routes where he's just wavering. He's ad-libbing and doing all these things. And that's fine. Like you can get away with it. Cause he's so, freaking dynamic and he moves like Gumby does these incredible things with the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. but it's like, he still has to learn how to play football. So that's the risk like that I have with him, but that's the thing too. It's like, he has to learn how to play football. He's a senior under mm-hmm. good coaching. I know Dan Mullen's a good coach and it's like, you don't think Dan Mullen tried like <laughs> tried for those three years to figure him out. And the only year he produces is when he's senior against kind of like a shortened season. So those are my concerns with him, but the upside of him is just like, he is one would be one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. If he does get those consistent touches, mm-hmm. it's just, he's a gadget guy that is going to struggle with route running and play smaller than he is. And so that's just really curious for me. That's also why I can see the Cardinals falling in love with him in the second round. <laughs> they just see the upside. I said, screw the routes. Let's get on emotion. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, Cliff will probably be a little creative with him, but it's, yeah, I, I have a lot of concerns with him. I think the bus is huge. The bus uh, uh, risk is pretty huge with him, but he is a really, really dynamic player. Yeah. So do you think the Cardinals come to mind for you? Anyone else? Yeah. That's who I had was Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals was making sense to me in the second round. You know, other than that, maybe 
maybe, maybe like, you know, the Chargers in that middle second, you know, just mm-hmm. with what they have. Um, something that's our, I could see Gruden falling in love with him, like because Gruden just can't stop signing skill guys, like he just can't <laughs> stop acquiring them. Like anyone in that kind of range, right there in the middle second, like makes a lot of sense for me. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's I I I could see a team falling in love with them that shouldn't <laughs> that that's gonna you know, have to like try and maximize him right away as their number two guy when really he should start as like a number three or four as a mm. rookie. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. I kind of agree you know i thought about maybe the bears but then thinking about yeah. you know uh the time frame that might not make all that much sense because they need guys who can contribute right the heck now and yep. uh that may not be as possible with to- with, with that tony um next guy up is uh terrence marshall another lsu receiver and a lot of talk you know sort of that in a maybe a typical year he would be the kind of player who would test well and rise up the charts and you know, sort of because he was such a great athlete or had, had that sort of, you know, that wide range of athletic abilities. And there's also been talk that he was kind of not interested in 2020, that he was yeah. sort of checked <laughs> out. Um, so, I mean, in terms of that sort of profile, does that scare you? Oh, uh, yeah. And that's actually exactly what you laid out is how I feel about him. I, Liked him a little bit right away. I liked him a lot, like as far as his traits. He's just a trait. He's a classic mm-hmm. receiver prospect. Receivers used to be so raw when they came in the league that it would be, you know, because the college quarterback or college systems were 21 personnel on third down <laughs> with two receivers out there, you know, like high formation and stuff. And they would have to run a route tree. And that's kind of what he is. It's, it's, he has to still learn that kind of receiver stuff and he's more just traits. Um, but, I actually liked him a little more as far as like he, he worked from the slot from this year and he had a lot of good body control and underneath stuff, but then that's, this is where the negative side. So I do see that's actually my biggest negative with him is that I don't think he's very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he, his competitive streak is consistent, which you have to be in the NFL. It's just, it just has to not in the sense, like we, we think of competitiveness in the sense of like, Oh, this guy's going to eat, eat a, a barbell, you know, to go play football <laughs> you can be a quiet competitor and also it's more just being like a, a, a workman mentality because it's, you know, 18 weeks to now, you know, that's, that's a grind yeah. and you're not going to always feel good. You're not, the situation always isn't going to be great. Like, is he going to go palms up and, and, and be all pissed off if, you know, if he goes to a team with not a great quarterback and they miss the throw, mm-hmm. like that's what he was doing this past year. And he did it over and over and over. And also just like if he like in the blocking that I, I it's really funny with him. It's like the first play, it's like the coaches yelled at him all week to be tough. And then the first play he'll try and get after a corner and just like bury him. And then after, after that, he just gets bullied the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it happened like three or four games. I just thought that was pretty funny. I just don't think he has that edge because it's just, he'll catch underneath stuff. And, and that's where I was like, Oh wow. He actually looks fluid on those routes for a big mm-hmm. guy. And also somebody looks inside and double catches a lot of throws because he's worried about where the defender is coming in from the inside. So it's like all of his good stuff has a little bit of negative to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he, it's a team that if they trust their coaching, if they trust that they don't have to really force them, they interview them. They're like, no, maybe this kid just got frustrated after being in the greatest offense in college football history <laughs> to go to going to whatever that was last year. Um, I think maybe, you know, that's, that's where maybe interviewing and his kind of like, you know, checking them out and just kind of like talking to them and just kind of getting to know them a little bit will really gauge what a team feels like, how, how much they can get out of them. 
Because mm-hmm. the, the upside's there. Like if he does figure it out and he does, and he is more than what he showed this past year as far as a ment- mental aspect, he, he has the upside of a, a number one X receiver. Like that mm-hmm. is his upside. It's just that he went to LSU and he was playing these good offenses. And now this last year, I know it's a crazy year and the situation he got put in just didn't really flash as much as you would hope. Mm-hmm. Who stands out yeah. to you as a possible fit? I, I think he's ideal for the Bengals in the second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, that early, that their first pick in the second round, especially as I think they should, they go tackle with their first pick. Um, I, I think that just makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, they got Mims or uh, not Mims. I'm sorry, uh, Higgins and Boyd. And you know, I actually think his skill set you know matches that a little bit as another kind of outside deep ball winner mm-hmm. uh, type. And you know, they don't. He doesn't have to eat all the targets right away. They can maybe ease him along, engage him a little bit. I think that's a good fit, just kind of what they need and a team that really should be looking receiver at that spot. Um, if the, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of teams that think it's just an upside thing. Uh, but yeah, that's a team I just kind of like, it makes all the sense in the world at, at that 38 spot. Mm-hmm. Is it more a situation for you where it's like the right price as opposed to the right fit? I think it's right price and a decent enough fit. Mm-hmm. I uh, that And that's the thing. It's hard for me because I don't love him. So like the, he's the first four guys, five, you know, four guys we talked about. It's like, I like all of them. So it's like, Oh yeah, I want to see him with this, this guy. I'm like, man, I wouldn't want to put that evil on them. Um, so, you know, a little bit of that going on. Uh, but like, I think that that just makes sense to me and just where that's at. Um, if a team late in the first round, like, you know, maybe like the chiefs, but I just don't like that as far as what they, they need. I think they may need more of a, a true route running type if they went receiver, but yeah, that's just kind of like, I think just price, fit is decent enough and, and just the skill set matches has a, has a decent enough synergy. Right. So let's run through these last four, I guess closer to lightning round style with the final four guys we have here. Elijah Moore, the old Miss receiver. Uh, some of you may remember him as the guy who cost Ole Miss a game against Mississippi State <laughs> by pretending to be a peeing dog. Now, Nate, I know you have experience with a talented wide receiver who <laughs> did some questionable things celebrating in the end zone. But it worked out okay uh, for Randy Moss. <laughs> what do you think hey. about Elijah Moore? <laughs> That's what's so funny is that like that that game has so many great memories for me, and it's like and then it's like oh yeah, that was the Moon game too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I've I, I really like Elijah Moore. I, I think he's just a, a game like a, a just a gamer, just you know, a mm-hmm. football player. Um, and I actually compared him to Brandon Cooks, and actually that makes a lot of sense. That the team that drafted Brandon Cooks, I could see them falling in love with Elijah Moore, the Saints. Um, I think his skill set matches with what they have. Uh, I think he compliments Thomas very well. I think he would be dynamite just moving on those intermediate and shorter routes. It's funny for him. He is a faster guy, but he is not, he doesn't have a ton of chain. Like his, he gets stuck in fourth gear a little bit. Mm-hmm. He gets to fourth gear quickly, but then he just kind of stays there. Um, but yeah, you know, he's just, he plays bigger than his size and he's just a fun player. Like Lane Kiffin knew, knew to get him the ball always. And, and he did. Uh, I think that one makes a lot of sense. And, and, I compare him to Brandon Cook, so maybe it's just fan fiction, but <laughs> I, I could see that happening a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, I think there's going to be teams who will see that situation and be like, oh, we don't want that. Like, I can't see Dan Campbell getting on board for Elijah Moore based <laughs> on that one play, but I think there'll also be teams who say, hey, like, that's one play and it's a dumb thing that he's learned from and it's yeah. probably not going to do again. And also, like, you know, that's probably not going to happen again at the pro level. And when you look at the rest of his tape, there's a really dynamic player here. So I think there's going to be a lot of a really wide range of opinions. I think about Elijah Moore relative to your typical wide receiver prospect, but I think that makes sense. Um, I actually, the next guy on my list is the guy I sort of linked to the saints and that's Rondell Moore 
um, okay. where I feel like just, you know, uh, obviously a small sample for him, not a, a huge player, um, but certainly, you know, a guy who people remember his incredible game uh, from 2019 against Ohio State, or sorry, 2018 against Ohio State. I'm a guy who's not big, but I think a guy who could be a jack of all trades, a guy who can be a player who, you know, will do magic with the ball in his hands. And I think as the Saints offense evolves, they're going to need people who can make plays. And I think Rondell Moore can be that guy for Sean Payton. Yeah, I actually like that a lot, especially with just his, he can line up kind of, you know, he, he's he's a gadget player. And I mean that as a compliment um, in the sense that, okay, all those choice refs that Payton's going to always find a guy that can run choice routes. Like that's just what he loves. Like he, he you can tell his running back skill sets, like can they run a choice route? I know we're talking mm-hmm. about a receiver here. But, like, I could see him falling in love with Rondale and going, like, man, if I put him in the slot or motion him back in the backfield, we got him on the inside on some linebacker. Like, you know, something like that, I could see him being really creative with him. So that makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other teams, any team that just needs a, a dynamic threat, like the Packers at the end of the second mm-hmm. round, like, you know, I wouldn't take Rondale until, you know, with his injury concerns, and he's only 5'7". I, 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 and that's again, I just can't help but I, I have to think about how the draft position is and how I rank them. So maybe that's warping my thinking a little bit. Mm-hmm. But any team that with a creative play caller, I think it would be great with him. Any team, like even like, I don't think they would go this way, but you know, teams like, you know, the, the Panthers or something mm-hmm. of that sort, you know, that he had Curtis Samuel. Does he, does Joe Brady want another guy that can do the inside out stuff and, and mm-hmm. wind up all over the place? I'm a fan of Rondell. Everyone, I think, and their mother knows the risk with him. It's yes. just that he's 5'7", and, you know, his route tree isn't great, but I actually do think he's kind of underrated on his routes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he does show a lot of the skills of being able to settle and awareness and timing of routes, which is like, okay, okay, we can we can work with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think any team with a creative play caller is a fit for him, uh, much much more than any team that uh, – I, I want to go – I want to see him go with a team that has a good offense play caller just to use them correctly, like how – I think for sure. I think it's, you know, if he ends up in the wrong situation, I think it's going to be very disappointing. But I think yep. if he's with the right coach in the right scheme, used appropriately, I think he could be a really exciting player. And I think, honestly, I think the majority of teams in the NFL will have that kind of grade on him where it's like, okay, yep. because of the injuries, because of the, you know, because of the health concerns, he is a second round pick for us. But it also wouldn't shock me if there was a team that was in love with him. Where yes. they were just like, you know what? Like, yes, the injuries are a concern, but his upside is he can be the best player on the field. And I don't know if he's going to be that guy, but it wouldn't shock me if there was a team that took him and said, hey, like, we had him like number three on our board or something crazy. Yeah, where they're like, you know, he's just a football player, you know, right. kind of like, yeah, they just fall in love with him. I absolutely, they watched that Ohio State tape from his freshman year and they're just like, okay, we're okay, we want that <laughs> as opposed to everything else. Yeah, no, I, I can absolutely see that. He he has that tape where it's just like sometimes you watch him, you're just like, holy crap, he just moves and and so much stronger than everybody else. It looks like mm-hmm. the kid that hit that hit puberty early, even though he's only <laughs> even though even though he's only five seven, but like just as far as strong and how he bounces off guys and stuff like that. That yeah, I, he's a guy that teams would talk themselves into. Yeah, crazy athleticism numbers for Rondell Moore. Two guys left here. Rashad Bateman, I mean, a guy who I know just from following you on Twitter, you are a fan of. So why are you so high on Rashad Bateman? I, I, I just think that he has a game that translates easily to the NFL. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about the Alabama and Chase, the Alabama receivers and Chase at the beginning of the show. And, and you know, I have Bateman in that top tier with them. 
um, uh, my top four top tiers, Devontae Smith, uh, Waddle, or really it goes Devontae Smith, Bateman, Chase, Waddle. I actually wow. have Bateman over Chase. Um, I just think his skill set, he's already showing an advanced route tree at a young age. He's just he's the same age as Chase. I think he's a couple months older. Um, he was dynamic as a freshman. And mm-hmm. it's funny, you see the game progress. This freshman year, he's more of a, a deep ball guy. And his second year, he was more of an intermediate guy. And then the third year, all of a sudden, they put him in the slot uh, on downs and, and had him actually run like a route tree from there. And that's what made me fall in love with him, even though his 2020 tape is nowhere near as good as 2019 tape, which is incredible. It was cool seeing the skill set actually legit routes from the slot as opposed to just slants over and over and over. And I was like, oh boy. And he's just a guy that does everything good. And that's what I, I that's why I like about him. I think just his floor is so high and he still has room to grow into a, a very, very good starter where he has that he can actually be an X a legitimate X receiver and not the guy that just lines up an X but just a real, real X receiver. And then I think like worst case for him is he's a good number two. And I just, those types of guys, it's like, just take them. The receivers have such high bust rates because it's boomer bust with them. It's like, take the guy that like, at least we're going to get some out of them. And I, I, I do think he has just that upside. Like I, I, I think if everything worked out and he goes to the right situation, situation, he can be like a Reggie Wayne type player. And, and I think just as his floor is just still a good player. I, mm-hmm. I'm a huge, huge fan of his, not just cause he went to Minnesota. I went to Wisconsin, so that's a rival anyways, but, um, but no, I, I just, I, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of his game. Um, yeah. It's, he's one of those guys that also, I think is a scheme proof in, in mm-hmm. a sense, just cause of his skill set. Do you, it sounds like you think he has a pretty broad range for where he might go, but is there any team that really excites you in terms of where he might end up? <laughs> would you laugh again if I said the Chiefs? No, but I mean that—that's um, not out of the question, right? That and that's exactly it. I could see him, a team fall in love with them, just how I am, and take them twelve. And then I could see him falling all the way to the early second round, just because teams are going to go, oh, you know, he wasn't as fast as last year and all that stuff. He only weighed one ninety. But I, if the, if he was there for the Chiefs, he makes all the sense in the world in a different way than Devate, in the sense that he can be that X receiver and has great synergy with mm-hmm. Hill and Hardman and Kelsey just would just make all the sense. And, and Demarcus Robinson, it would just make sense for him because he's, he can give him that true route runner type. Um, and, and I'm not saying that Tyreek's actually a good route runner, but he'd almost be like a receiver version of Kelsey kind of mm-hmm. in the sense where he can line up in, in that offense and just vary up their looks as opposed to only being in that static one by three that they like to be in. I think the Packers would make all the sense in the world. He would be great with Devante just two bonafide route runners on the outside and that both can switch into the slot. Oof, that I mean, that's, that's really scary. The Colts makes a ton of sense to mm-hmm. me because he, that's always been my kind of negative with the Colts. I, I really like their team makeup, but it's just, I, they need that kind of number one guy, that number one weapon on offense. Mm-hmm. And I do think they're setting themselves up to do that. And Bateman, I think, has that upside to be that guy and be the, the the 120, 140 target guy for them down the road and actually just come in to still be pretty good. Um, and also the Patriots. I think just the skill set they have and the two guys they signed this offseason and Bourne and Aguilar, he has great synergy with those two. Um, but I'd also be scared if Bill Belichick likes the same receiver that I do. <laughs> um, so, but I, that would make sense. That's all the sense in the world as far as just synergy with their wide receiver room. <laughs> I mean, you have a point. I'll just say that much. Like tight ends, sure. Edge rushers, I'm happy to follow Bill Belichick's lead. Wide receivers. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I know. 
Let's finish up here uh, with Diami Brown, the UNC product. Is he just a deep ball guy for you? Um, I think right, if he comes in the league, that's what he will be. But he shows so much more to his game. The North Carolina offense is just so basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there a ton of RPOs. He lines up on the left side 95% of the time, I think it was. And it's, you know, so right away, though, I think, okay, he gives you a deep threat. He has good catching range. Um, you know, he can high point stuff. He has good hands. He does a lot of things well. Um, and the other, the shorter routes that they'd have him on, like quick outs, or anything like that, I mm-hmm. did see the footwork and body control that's like, okay, he still has room to grow as opposed to just being a stiff, deep ball guy. He he has some bend and twitch. And also, uh, and this is why he probably rose up the boards this last month, is that he he's, uh, he's a great blocker, and mm-hmm. he brings it every game. He brings a competitive level to his game that not a lot of receivers have, especially receivers you take in the top you know, 50 picks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I, I think just, like, it makes all the sense in the world, and a team that might fall in love with him is, like, the Ravens. Like, this just makes a lot of sense to me. He's not the intricate route runner, but guess what? That Ravens offense doesn't need intricate route runners. Right. That is not what they do. But as far as taking those overs and everything that, you know, the Lamar loves just a classic drag and over concept where you can high low guys. He likes the high low guys over the middle. And I can see Diami just working over the middle with Mark Andrews and oh, hey Mitch, and Hollywood Brown, you know, taking something off the top. And I could just see that. And also I could see the Ravens cause they're so run heavy, just, you know, he's a good blocker. So mm-hmm. it's like, Oh man, you okay. He's, we don't have to take him off the field. We don't have to hide him. Um, I, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, maybe I'm higher on him not to take him the first round, but you know, maybe if he falls, um, also if before the Rams took Deshaun Jackson or signed him, it's only, you know, it's a shorter deal. That makes a ton of sense. As far as this fit, he can be that extra receiver in their offense. And I, if that was in the middle of the second round, they wanted to go another offensive skill guy that that would make a ton of sense. Hi Mitch. And, but yeah, I just think his, again, another wide receiver room synergy where he can be the X in that Brandon cooks role where he doesn't have to take the jet sweeps. He's blocking like they mm-hmm. love all the receivers to block there. That makes sense to me. And another guy is uh, the Bengals early in the second round. Same exact mm-hmm. thing. Same things I said about Marshall. I just copy and paste it to, to Brown. Serenity with Boyd and Higgins has upside as a route runner, so he could maybe develop into more, uh, but gives him that uh, longer, intermediate, and deep threat. And, yeah, I just think I get why coach, like why this past month teams fell in love with him. It's because all of a sudden the coaches see him blocking and just are like, oh, my God, he's a football player. <laughs> um, and I, I guarantee you that's exactly what happened because I did the same thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I, I, I just – I love his, his – he's got a unique skill set where he's, he's a, a blocking guy and a, a deep ball guy at the same time, which is, which is curious. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird mix of skills, but yeah. I think a lot of teams could use those skills. I think that's something yes. that a lot of teams are looking for. Um, all right, Nate, we made it through Darnold. We made it through the 10 receivers. We have finished our task here today. Mitch can finally get the attention. <laughs> but if people want to find out more about what you're talking about, if they want to read your reports, if they want to listen to you more, where can they do all that? Uh, yeah, first and foremost, you can find me on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. Um, and also you can hear me once a week, usually with uh, he who must not be named on the athletic football show. And, uh, you know, and we just right now we're diving into the draft leading up to that. And we, we'll poke around the league a little bit, talk about those fun things. Um, which I'm sure you have experience with. And also I am leading up to, or I'm writing a draft reports for Bleacher Report where I'm doing offensive skill guys. We just released our big board two, I believe last week. And then we have a third one coming out next week. 
Um, and yeah, and that's, that's where you can find me a little bit all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But excellent work as always. Um, highly recommend following Nate for not only his football analysis, detailed U.S. men's national team prospect coverage, all <laughs> kinds of stuff happening on Nate's Twitter. But Nate, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much, Bill. All right. Thanks so much again to Nate Tice. Excellent follow on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. Nate's one of the best in the business. Definitely check out his work. We have more audio coming in two weeks. I'm off next week. Uh, we will be back the following week. More draft coverage, more off-season content to talk about. More coming here on the Bill Barnwell Show. So thanks so much for listening. Back in a couple of weeks.